You strike me as the bear type. Welcome aboard the USS Boda. This is your captain, not Patrick Stewart speaking. You're listening to Dork Trek. Dorktrek.com. Engage, Mr. Manny. Well, Dennis is here. We're all here. Jenny's not here, which is a bummer, but that's yeah. fine. We had some font uh, problems. She well, stopped by uh, the library to check out a book, and uh, yeah, there were issues. There you go. Book of fonts? I know she has all the font books. The book of fonts. The book of Arthur Fonsarelli. The book of Arthur Fonsarelli. Hey. All right, so um, what's this episode called? Oh, the 37s. The 37s. It's easy enough, isn't it? We're watching Voyager. We're in season two of Voyager. This episode's called the 37s. Um, I will just say right off the bat, this episode is as good as the last one was bad. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I'm just going to come right out and say I enjoyed this episode a lot. Okay. Well, that's a choice. I think one thing about Voyager is it's so easy for me to get in my head about details on this show. Yeah, you know what, Dennis? I'm going to I'm going to throw all that out the window and just not worry about it. I'm going to look at this as kind of like a popcorn summer movie at at points. I don't want to get caught up in all the details because I think the devil are in the details and it'll just ruin the show for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can get that. Wikipedia page. The Wikipedia page for this is unnecessary. I mean, it's just, I think whoever did it was getting so much information on here. Whoever did this was getting paid by the word. See, I always, I still stick by uh, memory alpha. And again, there were there were Wikipedia pages for Deep Space Nine that were like two paragraphs. Yeah. And then for this, we get the 37th. This is the first episode of the second season of the 17th overall of the American science fiction television series Star Trek Voyager. Due to differing release schedules, it also appeared as the final episode of the first season in other countries. The episode aired August 28th, 1995 on the UPN network. Directed by James L. Conway. It was written by Jerry Taylor Brandon. It's like, dude, I, who needs to know all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, even even Memory Alpha, they throw that information off the written by, directed by crap that goes into the little block on the side. Yeah. You could look at it if you want it. Start at 48975.1. Now, Dennis, what did what problems about what problems did you have about the episode? Well, one happened really early in the episode with after at the end of the episode, after everything's played out, I got back to thinking of. Well, why was that truck in space? That's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did it fall it out? Yeah. It, 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 what? Why? Yeah. It made no sense. That uh, in my notes, that is, it says uh, it's other than a plot device. Freaking pickup truck in space is the dumbest thing to see floating in space since Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> 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 yeah, the, the pickup truck made no sense. I think they could have found the planet another way. It didn't really, it, it was a lot of happenstance and like lucky circumstances that, hey, there's oil in the car and hey, there's gasoline in it. I'm, I found the keys. Let's, <sighs> let's start it up. Okay, it started. Hey, somebody, 
somebody on the production staff is a collector and they wanted to get their car on the show, you know? And they said, okay, yeah, yeah, this is perfect. But to think about all the things that have to happen in order for this episode to take place. They have to find the truck, they have to bring on the truck, they have to start the truck. If they have to find the keys, they have to, they have to start the truck, they have to turn on the AM radio, they have to figure out the frequency and then find the SOS signal. Yeah. That's a lot. And somebody has to be a 20th century junkie. Well, okay, so here's the thing. It, it really, two things. One, it bugs me how much he knows about the 20th century. Yes. But just to be fair with that, they lean into it and it's consistent for the rest of the series, right? He is definitely a that's junkie about the 20th century. But that's 400 years ago for them. Do you do you yeah, know people, anybody people who roll around in like suits of armor are weirdos nowadays? Yeah. So he he's a Renfair weirdo on the bridge. Okay, but again, he's consistent with it. He's a Renfair weirdo on the bridge. That, that's... So, so do you think back on Earth in the 24th century they have 20th century fairs where people go back and like drink Pepsis out of cans and like, you know, eat. But they get it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's just these little slight things they have off. They've got stuff from the 1940s mixing with stuff from, you know, Y2K. Like what are they eating? Because at the at the rent fairs, they normally eat like the big turkey legs. Do you think that's still a thing and they're still well, eating they, big turkey legs? Well, no. I think 20th century, probably its biggest contribution in food is processed foods, right? So they yeah. have to have some kind of processed stuff in cans, stuff in uh, you they've know, got, frozen, microwavable foods. They've got the guy he's got a spam booth. <laughs> so you can get the the it's authentic spam. We replicate it fresh every day. Hey, you want to eat fruit from a can? It's really delicious. Check this out. Ooh, oh my goodness, look at the sharp edges. I mean, the people <laughs> back there, every time they would open their food, they'd risk their life. Hey, they sell Big Macs and Yeah, there's there's yeah. fast food, there's spam. There's got to be pizza because that's pretty much an iconic uh, Yeah, there's pizza. But here's the thing is they have this stuff in the they have hamburgers and they have hot dogs and they have pizza in the future. Yeah, but not like this. No, they don't have Pizza Hut pan pizzas. Yeah, it's got to be the really over-the-top shit. It's yeah. got to be the crust first. It's probably, crust you know, shit. some of the stuff they probably eat, like, are those chicken sandwiches with chicken sandwiches as buns. Oh, the, yeah. The, you know what I'm saying? Really ridiculous yeah, shit. Yeah, like, like, this This is why nobody likes you, America. Yeah. The, chick, the chicken sandwich, chicken sandwich, chicken sandwich, or maybe like, you know, oh, look, we fried some dough, put some icing on it and stuck three hamburger patties in it. Isn't that awesome? Like, wow, it's a donut hamburger. Well, they also have to do it's literally KFC. Don't they have like the chicken <laughs> and waffle sandwich right now with the two two waffles around the piece of chicken? I don't is, know. Is that a thing? You're, well, chick- you're, you're not making shit up, are you, Dennis? Chicken and waffles is I'm a thing. Sure. Unless it was a fever dream. I saw that on TV. Let's see. KFC. KFC waffle sandwich. There you go. Hold on. Oh, my God. Well, chicken and waffles has been a thing for a very long time. Yeah, but not at KFC. That's your jam, isn't it, Ben? KFC? I do. Look, so every week after golf, if I've done better 
that week than the previous week. I reward myself with the uh, famous KFC bowl. I hope your I hope your golf game is in the toilet because I don't want you to die of sugar, of fucking sodium poisoning. It, it's getting better every week, Bob. Oh God, and no! <laughs> you'll die with a stroke-induced smile on your face. Oh yeah. So I, I drive, and it's to the point now. Literally I've got, strokes. <laughs> so I've he's taking enough. strokes off his game. I, I think that they recognize me now. So I, I drive up, and I'm like, I'll take a number fifteen famous bowl, please, with a coke. Get my bowl and a cookie, and I come home and I eat my uh, famous KFC bowl with the little chicken tenders and the mashed potatoes and the corn and the gravy. This episode of Dork Trek is brought to you by KFC and their famous KFC bowls. Stop by a participating Kentucky Fried Chicken today and try one now. Now, since they actually aren't paying us as sponsors, I uh, will say that I can't eat KFC anymore, and it's it's crazy how a bad experience can just turn you off with something oh. so i went there i used to go there you know semi-frequently i guess and i went there one time and the chicken was so dried out it was just it was off you know like when you it's like the old chicken or whatever they're supposed to throw it away but they didn't they give it to you yeah and like it's never tasted the same to me since then so i just yeah. i just stopped going there so i had the reverse experience um and it's been a while since i've had anything but the kfc bowl because that's really hard to fuck up um you just take the leftovers, drop it in a bowl, put some gravy on top, and yeah, sell just, it to It's you. just chicken nuggets, mashed potatoes, and gravy. And corn. Yeah. So, but the thing, my problem was I ordered, um, like, I don't know, like a three-piece or whatever, and it was just drenched in grease. So, yours was too dry. Mine was just, just dripping oil off. And I'm like, this this isn't the KFC I remember. It, it was... Yeah. Colonel's rolling over in his grave right now. It wasn't finger. I don't. I don't dive deep into the into the menu. So if what if my usual standby isn't good, then I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't been to Kentucky Fried Chicken since we moved to Cincinnati. Um, There is, but that's not to say I haven't enjoyed fried chicken. There is a wonderful little fried chicken place called the Hitching Post. Right. Um, You could basically see the Ohio River from the Hitching Post, and they have photos inside of it where the river has flooded and the water has been up to the ceiling. It's really neat. Like there's guys on kayaks in the restaurant. Um, oh my God. It's pretty awesome. But the, the, the fried chicken there is delicious. That's where I go for my fried chicken. I don't, I don't go to those fancy so, chains. Folks in Hampton Roads. I go to mom and pops. Used to, well, folks in Hampton Roads here in, in uh, the great Virginia area used to love that farm fresh deli fried chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't as big of a geek about it as some people, I guess. But people were, when that chain of grocery stores went out of business, people were just flipping out that they wouldn't be able to get their farm fresh chicken. And like there were recipes. Royal Farms too. Yeah. Hardy's had fried chicken for a while and the Hardy's fried chicken was really good. Do you guys remember the Hardy's fried chicken? I I don't think I ever had the fried chicken. Yeah. I remember them having it. I just don't remember getting it. So I, I don't Hardee's know. Hardy's isn't afraid to experiment with different menu items. I'm sure there's some Hardy's food at the at the 20th Century Fair because they do uh, some dumb shit. Well, that's the thing. You got to have food. a drive-through. Hardy slash Carl's Jr. Yeah, yeah. You've got to have like some kind of Sonic drive-up 
thing with the girls on roller skates. I, st- I still probably do a combination drive-in movie slash drive-through uh, restaurant deal. Oh, so they have like the, the waitresses on roller skates coming out to your car at the drive-in? Well, as you as you drive in, you order your food, you pick it up, and then you go to your parking space and watch the movie. There you go. See, I don't th- – no, but they have to get it wrong. So I think the, the car hops actually roll out <laughs> to your car while you're watching the movie. Like a Sonic movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Sonic movie theater, except without the ordering board. Like they, it, Sonic, if you fucking do this, God damn it, we're going to sue you. <laughs> but um, that's but yeah. the thing, because you look at the Ren Fair and you're like, okay, these two things that they have going on here are like 200 years apart. It's, you know, they, 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 they're from the past, they're from what we consider medieval, but it's not. Consistent. Yeah, but I don't think anybody expects the Ren Fair to be accurate. Right. So that's what I think the these 20th century Ren Fairs would be as yeah. well. Yeah. They're just, you know, you're going to have people, you know, from the 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 1990s complaining about, you know, well, you know, Hitler's moving through Europe. We better, you know, save gasoline in these garbage bags or something. <laughs> Everybody yeah. got coronavirus. There'll be, there'll be 21st century stuff in there and yeah. like uh, Abraham Lincoln will show up like not quite right yeah it's after 9-11 abraham lincoln shows up to to lead the uh, patriots in the war against y2k wait what i'm into it that sounds that sounds awesome that bill sounds- pullman gives a really great speech on the rubble of 9-11 <laughs> But yeah, so there's some truck in outer space and yes they know entirely too much about this truck but then here's the reverse and this is where it loses points with me. Then they don't. Radio. So? What is oh, with the radio? radio? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, radio. Uh, but radio is a consistent thing that has come up, and it, it's like Star radio Trek. Radio waves. Yeah, yeah. Star Trek has to consistently rediscover fucking radio waves. Like all the way back to the motion picture where they're like, oh, V'ger's transmitting on this frequency that we haven't used for 200 years. But I think they, but that's, Ben, it's so slow. But that's how they explained it. Everyone moves at the speed of light. Yeah. And that's how they explained it in this episode, too. They're like, oh, well, we never search on that frequency because. Well, I get it that you wouldn't search on the frequency, but at least you know what it is. Think about all the secret shit that's probably going out over radio waves through space. Because nobody scans. Because nobody scans it. You just like turn it on ninety six point nine, and there's just like all these coded Starfleet. Yeah, right. Like think about it. Like that's actually kind of a really cool. Well, that that would be a really cool kind of uh, like device there, where these 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 cultures are speaking to each other, and they try to take over the Federation, and they're communicating through radio waves, but nobody thinks to check them. Somebody finds it. It would be the Paris maneuver because, like, battle simulation, he uses radio communications to to do tactical maneuvers and nobody can figure out how they're communicating with each other because using radio waves they now to start it i think there was something called a key keys really the word key doesn't exist in the 24th century (laughs) we don't have keys anymore but maybe not in that capacity I, I I will admit though I did feel like this was just, just slightly either a rip or an homage to when Kirk and Spock were on the Gangster Planet and they were stealing a car and I they're see sitting that. in the car and then you know 
Kirk's looking around and Spock kind of leans in and goes, I believe there was something called a clutch. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know. Paris knows everything about, like he even opens up the hood and whoa, it's a combustible gas engine with blah, blah. And there's it's still a, 30 set, a 36 Ford. Yeah. You know, and you're like, that's probably my biggest problem about it. It's like, why would he know that specific vehicle? Like I can understand, okay, he knows the Model T. He mm-hmm. would know like, uh, you know, 67 know- Corvette. Well, he'd know he'd Ford. Know thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. He'd know that Ford was a company in the in the 20th century. But you really, you know it well enough to say this is a 37? See, he said, but, but he says, though, the 20th century autos uh, <laughs> is a hobby of mine. So at least now we're going to get some depth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't be too mad because we complain that the characters are too one-dimensional and now they're going to start kind of giving us a little bit more. So Paris, Tom Paris is a big fan of 20th century culture. Okay. Let's... Yay. Let, <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in the 20th well, century and I, mean, I can't name some of the shit that he names off. Well, think about the, the woman who was in Wrath of Khan. That, that was her deal. She was a big, she was a historian from the 20, who studied the 20th century, not in the Rathicon, but Space, Space Seed. Seed. Yeah. Like that was her whole thing. She was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm an aficionado of yeah. 20th century so culture. She, she, knew cool gene- she knew genetic Hitler. She yeah. Con. And yeah. She didn't know what a 37. But I mean, I'm just, it's, it's not like it's out of Star Trek's uh, wheelhouse to have somebody on board who's a big fan of 20th century culture. Yeah, I like how the they're, only they're... the only twentieth century automobile I want to show up in Star Trek is uh, Dune buggy from that uh, or Speed buggy. What was that cartoon? Dune buggy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want him to show up. The only car that I want to show up is the fucking Corvette that Kirk is driving in Space Movie two thousand and nine. So Ben's head explodes. Kirk can't drive a stick. And then they're listening to the Beastie Boys. But I mean, it goes back. I yeah. mean, he's it always listen- goes. Nothing is newer than what the year is that we're watching it in. Yeah. Like he's listening to the Beastie Boys. We're watching Discovery and they're rocking fucking uh, uh, Wyclef Jean at the, at, in the first season. Nobody listens to Wyclef Jean now. So ain't nobody listening to Wyclef Jean in fucking 2022. Think about the, all the times we hear about some artist though, on, baby. that was, wasn't appreciated. I, in I do listen to the Fugees. Yeah, yes. No, you listen to the Fugees, but you ain't listening and to Wyclef Jean. You ain't listening. When's the last time, when is the last time you rocked Wyclef Jean's solo record? Uh, the car- I mean, uh, huh? what? The, what? Uh, the mask, the score, the carnival, they're all in my uh, rotation. Yeah, but I mean, come on, you ain't rocking it. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put on this hot new song. Look at look at look at look at look at here. Come on, baby, you ain't doing that shit. Ain't nobody trying to hear why Clef. And okay, so one of the things that I really—that's another science fiction trip. Not just Star Trek, but science fiction in general. Whenever you play some modern music, and then somebody makes the comment, "Oh, we're listening to classical music now." Mm-hmm. Sh- shut up. It's not funny anymore. That's shut annoying. up. Just just stop. But yeah, so they find this dumbass truck. They really don't explain how they find it. But again, a lot of things happen. Well, they detected some rusty metal in space. No, but I'm saying like, but like Dennis said earlier, how did it get there? They never really say how the truck just started floating around in outer space. And they essentially were following the truck to this planet. So the truck was moving. The truck was moving in space. Okay, so my idea. It had a propulsion system. 
like everything, you know, it'll stay in motion until something causes it to stop moving. And like, there's always gravity and stuff that's going to cause it. Yeah, to no, and it doesn't have warp drive. But so they were following go it. Yeah. Like they, yeah. They were following. They, they were following the four wheel drive. Yeah. So, I mean, like, cause they were like, well, follow that, follow that, that trail. And they follow the show. Like captain, there's something out there. And they look and it's the truck just floating around magically in space. Looked ridiculous. Yeah. But no, so here's my thinking on that though, is that it's the, the aliens that, got the truck out there we'll go find out. i don't want to spoil that ahead but here we go but i think the aliens when they abducted everybody and took the truck they put the people in the in the front because they got to breathe but then they had it was like an el camino style spaceship and so the airplane and the truck and probably some other stuff is in the back and it kind of fell out along the way so the only thing the non-pressurized non compartment yeah, it's 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 like in the in the pickup bed of the spaceship, and some of the stuff fell out, and they didn't stop in time. So Makes sense. Not all the stuff made it to the planet. I mean, how many times have you just no, seen the, like you've been driving down the interstate and just seen a mattress on the side of the interstate? Yeah. There, there's a space mattress from 1937 <laughs> floating. Yeah. Now the only thing that would work for me in this, the only scenario that would work for me would be is if they found like some skeletons in the truck. And like in a, a poorly thought out escape attempt, some of the uh, people that they kidnapped from Earth tried to drive the truck out of the ship to freedom and then okay. quickly realized <laughs> that they couldn't survive. Because these people, 1937, nobody's been to space yet from Earth. Yeah. So yeah. they don't know that it's a vacuum out there. So they just think they can drive home. 1937, we barely have rockets. I mean, you know, Von Braun's doing his thing in Goddard and, you know, yeah. Sikovsky, but <laughs> yeah. That's some Buck Rogers spaceman stuff. No, you know, yeah, we we haven't been there, but we do have a concept of going into space on them rocket ships. But like, yeah. I think I saw the Buck Rogers movie from the late '30s, where they're on the rocket in space and they have to go over to the other space. So he puts on his jetpack. So he's yeah. like his army pants, his leather yeah. jacket, and his <laughs> jetpack, jet yeah, and he flies over without a helmet or a suit to the other spaceship in the hard vacuum of space because they didn't they didn't understand that or they just didn't care about it probably probably a little bit of both column a column b but they found this dumbass truck and then they find this uh they find this planet and there's a bunch of stuff happening and mm -hmm. they find a bunch of people in stasis and they free them of course because that's what they human that's what they do in star trek and, uh, you know, a big note in my notes, um, never a good idea to defrost people from the past. Yeah, never a good idea. It never works out. And the thing is, too, well, this is, well, we, I guess we passed over the biggest thing because they decide that they're going to, they can't get, they can't beam down to the planet's surface. Yeah. They can't take a, sh uh, 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 a shuttlecraft down because of the atmosphere. So they decide to fly the ship down and land it. Yeah. Blue alert. Now, is this the first time we've ever seen? Yeah. That's what I thought, too. I don't think we've ever seen a ship land, a starship land on a planet surface before. Yep. This it was weird. Precedence. It was weird. I didn't like the way the feet looked when it came out. I did like how it, it did. The, the special effects were, I guess, were okay. Like when it, it landed and it gave. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Where it had, you know, there's the, <sighs> the yeah. cushion. Because, you know, that, this kind of adds some realism to it. But. My only thing about landing the ship would be, this seems very risky. Because yeah. 
what Paris has never done it before. Yep. We've never seen it done on screen. So yep. what if they land the ship and something happens to it and they're stranded there? And you're just here forever. Yeah. yeah. It seemed like an unnecessary risk to take to investigate an SOS frequency on some radio waves. Well, her justification, and I, I guess you have to make a bigger justification um, for something that severe, is that whatever brought a pickup truck from Earth out here, if it can bring it from there to here, maybe it can bring us from here to there. It seems, though, that's the presumption of every episode. Like, they investigate every little thing because maybe this could get us home or maybe this could speed up the way home. At some point, I think they're just going to have to bite the bullet and go, you know what? It's probably not going to happen. Like, Captain, this is, making babies. this is the 10th time this week we've saw a pickup truck floating around in outer space and there's it's not going to get us home any faster. There's a traffic jam out here, for God's sakes. But I was thinking as I'm, well, I, we could talk about this at the end of the episode, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so they go, actually, I think this would probably be the best place. You know what? Let's just talk about it here. Okay. This is the, I, this is the problem, I think, with watching a show from 95 in 2021. This could have been a whole season. Like, them being stuck on this planet, them and this decision that they have to make could mm-hmm. have could have been the bulk of a season. Like think about a 10 episode arc of a season. This well, could have been for the episodes. Here's the thing. I think if it was done modern, we would have found the truck, but we don't get to the planet until a few episodes later. Yeah. So we, we find the truck, yeah. but we don't have the radio waves yet. And we have, then we have, uh, I don't know, like a Kazon, episode or something you you know have a couple of throwaway episodes in there but you just keep you know and then maybe two episodes later they pick up the radio system at, or radio signal at the end of the episode they couldn't get the truck to work so fast so it, it took them some time to try to put it together or whatever to get or it they running. just didn't think to yeah, do it so just accident- on one of those things that you roll out from under the car and you know like a mechanic or whatever yeah, like yeah, yeah. you can tell like none that. of you can tell none of us are mechanics because we don't know what that thing's called the skateboard the wheelie, wheelie thing. thing the real wheelie thing because I knew exactly what you meant when you read the episode this long-winded breakdown on um wikipedia it says they want braga wanted the episode to be broken down into two parts because he felt this was a wealth of material mm-hmm. i think you could have done it even more than that it took them a long time to start the truck they had to do a couple other things okay great they maybe along the way they they find somebody else they get the truck running they find the planet they land the they land the ship oh shit in the process they fucked up the ship somehow now they got to try to fix the ship well, see, I just think you get bits and pieces of it along the way, and you have other episodes. Yeah, like they find, they find the people in cryo tubes on a ship in space, and then they have to stay on Voyager for a couple episodes while they continue exploring, and then they find the planet with these weird radio waves when they're tinkering around on the truck. And so now these people that they, uh, they thought out have to decide if they want to join the people on the planet or if they want to stay with Voyager and try to make it back to Earth. So I'm, I'm at the point with with what we do every week that I'm pretty sure when we finish the last Star Trek episode, 
you know, we're on year 15 of, of Dork Trek or that's year, being modest. You're 20. Um, we're going to have these skills developed to write a f- pretty fantastic sci-fi series. <laughs> I'm just because every week we, we end up breaking. It's like, no, this would have been better. This would have been better. So we need to write the series that the entirety of the Star Trek franchise could have been. I don't know. Hopefully they'll get better as we go too. So we won't have to do that as much, but I think Voyager out of all the series that we've watched, I think we've been armchair quarterbacking Voyager more than any of the other series, because I think it lends itself to it. I think they just, they have a lot of interesting concepts and We're sending them studio notes from 30 years in the future. Yeah, totally. Like they have a lot of great concepts and they leave some interesting like story threads, but I just don't feel that it's, they don't really do a great job kind of picking a lot of those threads up. Yeah. The, the artificial tension that they tried to build when Janeway sees the name tag yeah because apparently she can't read english unless she spells out all the words first (laughs) like i see the name tag i see a Earhart, but she doesn't she sail earnhardt (laughs) a no it's a A period period that that killed me yeah e a r h oh another a r a let me sound it out what's my context clues ear a ear heart she must be one of those genetic experiments from the 20th century <laughs> where they were growing ears on hearts it's like what the fuck what was that and i love that was really great and i love how they had just they had the japanese soldier they had the indian woman with the 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 head thing on they had the random black dude they had they just had like this whole collection like just like a casting call like they just put out all right this is what we need we need one two three <laughs> here get yeah. us these people okay cool I'll take one of each yes give me you you can you wear a weird headdress thing cool okay you put let's put you in a Japanese uh, outfit okay so talking about weird headdresses Sharon's wig or Amelia Earhart's wig is awful oh my god. I thought Kess's wig was bad, but Earhart's wig was just so bad. She must have had a really long hairstyle or something because it's just what? like floating on top of her head. I can't remember what she looked like when she was on NYPD Blue because she's a good looking. Like, she's a good looking woman. But she was. She wasn't she uh, the fat guy's girlfriend on NYPD Blue? Yeah, she was. She's best known for Sylvia. Kotes Skipowitz on NYPD, but I think that was his wife. Oh, his wife. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just remember this being a big deal that she was on Star Trek at the time. You know, that was like, oh, she's, you know, a real star is, is guesting on because NYPD Blue was pretty big because yeah. that, that ran from 93 to God forever. 2000 something 2005 yeah she was on 99 episodes too yeah so she was she was kind of a big deal and then she's showing up on star trek so you know that's a thing she came up in the middle of the run because she did this in 95 nypd blue she started in 1993 so yeah 
Yeah, so she's she's a known, you know, it's not like we got somebody before they became a star. Yeah. And I just, like I said, I, I thought I remembered when this first came on that it was like, ooh, you know, she she from NYPD Blue is guest starring next week. Ooh. It's like, okay. Now, by this point, I had stopped getting Starlog Magazine on a regular basis, so I don't know if there was any write-up, but... Uh, Sharon Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence. she she was the first name in the credits. Sh- Sharon Lawrence, Amelia Earhart. It's like, wow, that's a good get. Yeah. Wow. But yeah. I just, I was like, yeah, but that wig killed me. Yeah, that wig was pretty, pretty weird. And does does everybody except foreigners sound southern when they come from the past yeah because she had like a, a mock missouri accent maybe you know and the farmer obviously had to be southern and it just i don't know it, it just seemed a bit much to me yeah but that you know well, amelia Earhart's from kansas okay so missouri kansas yeah. that makes sense all right where was tackleberry Red from noon. LA County, Illinois. Oh. It was ta- well, where was Tackle- County, Illinois? Isn't that Chicago? Yeah, is that where Tackleberry's from in the Police Academy movies? I I don't think that's for. I thought that that was set in like Los Angeles or something, wasn't it? Well, the, I think the Police Academy movies were set in an unknown city. They never really said they recruit nationally. Then, yeah, I don't <laughs> think they recruited nationally. But the, no, they never say what city it is. Because I know in one they go to uh, they go to Moscow they go to Miami Beach I don't think they ever really say what city I think it's an unnamed st- city. Well, I'm looking it up now just because you know you, you've yeah my- it says due to a shortage of police officers the mayor of an unnamed city requires the police department to accept all local recruits. Yeah. Carrie Mahoney is an easygoing guy who's repeatedly gotten into legal trouble. Captain Reed gives him a choice. They can't afford to name the city. Of course, yeah. they they have to take all police recruits. Hey, say what you want. I, th- I feel like we've had this conversation before, but Police Academy, the first Police Academy movie made $150 million at the box office. So That is crazy. It's one of my favorite movies, though, of all time. Dude, in 1984. Police- not yet. It made- we talked about how good movies were in 1984? Yes, I know we talked about that. Like We went on at length about the, how 1984 was a great year for films. But I mean, it made $150 million in 1984. Think about what that would be like now. That's that's like at least a hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, Avatar. Here, let's see. I mean, you know, that was the thing though. In in his character, ending story, Dune, Gremlins, Red Dawn, Jesus, Buckaroo Banzai, The Last Starfighter, Sixteen Candles, The Karate Kid, Footloose, Star Trek: The Search for Spock, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, The Terminator, The Terminator. Top Secret, uh, Splash, God, uh, Amadeus. All right, That's listen to this. A hundred. Yeah, it was a great I year for. We've done this before. A um, hundred and forty-eight million dollars in nineteen eighty-four is worth three hundred and eighty million dollars today. So you're talking like, like, if this movie came out today and did what it did then. Um, uh, 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 Steve Gutenberg would essentially be the new Paul Rudd yeah. or, or Will Ferrell or, or Gutenberg or, is Ant-Man. Yeah, totally. Right. Like he would be a fucking huge star. I can see that. I still remember t- was it the gun range scene 
in police academy where they're all you know shooting and they're missing the targets or something and then you know as they're walking down the line they get to tackleberry and when he fires it just destroys the entire fucking target and it pulls back and you see he's got this huge gun and and the sergeant's like where did you get that gun and he's like my mom gave it to me right. <laughs> you know it's like, what the and it's not like the second the second one made 115 million so i mean that's still a shit ton of money now was he the only one who was in all seven he wasn't in all seven he left after um after the fourth one <laughs> no he was in all seven no he wasn't oh oh uh, i thought you're talking about gutenberg i don't no, no, know tackleberry i don't know if that, tackleberry was in all seven because there's always that thing where when the, you know you get a, a, a goofy series like this whoever started this thing become a bigger star so they're not going to do this shit anymore yeah so then one of your secondary characters becomes the new quasi lead i mean shit dude even the fourth movie made 76.8 mil like so people i mean yeah we love us some uh was it what uh bobcat goatway yeah started out as like a criminal and then yeah he, he was the gang leader yeah yeah ridiculous yeah i love the came out 1984 1985 1986 1987 yeah they're just pumping them out 1988 yeah because oh. the the next one homeboy leaves 1989 yeah 1989 is a great year yep. for movies too then they took a five-year break before mission to moscow but i mean shit dude it made fucking 76 million dollars at the bo- on a 17 million dollar budget shit let's see i didn't know he also played a uh klingon Gutenberg? No, uh, oh. Graf. Okay, uh, Tackleberry. Tackleberry. Yeah. I'm trying to. Where is that on DS9? That's what it says. Yeah. I don't recall this. We'll have to go watch it. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of crazy. But anyway. Um, yeah, we wake and up these people in, from the past. He was in fucking Cocoon too, uh, Steve Gutenberg. What a huge star he was! Yeah, he did Police Academy, Police Academy two, Cocoon, Short Circuit, um, Three Men and a Baby. I mean, this dude was one of the biggest motherfucking movie stars in the whole wide world. And then that's it; just stopped. Made enough money. Yeah, I guess right. I remember he did that Don't Tell Her It's Me movie and that was real goofy. Do you remember that one? No. Um, it came out in 90. He played like some dip, some dupe shit kind of guy who was trying to get, he was like a cartoonist. Here it is. He's a depressed, overweight cartoonist who recently won his battle against Hodgkin's disease. Um, his sister, who is a nosy romantic novelist, tries setting him up with women, but he keeps fucking failing he meets this one girl but adopts this persona of lobo moringa a leather-clad biker from new zealand <laughs> you don't remember this it's real dumb no that was real bad so shelly long was in it which is odd because i love shelly long um so you mentioned cocoon yes so i now have to once again bring up the brimley line diabetes no wilford brimley was 50 years old, nine months, and six days in that Yes, movie. yes. So the Brimley line is when you, like you find an actor or yourself, 
when you've lived 18,530 days, that's when you're as old as Wilford Brimley was when Cocoon opened. Nice. My Brimley line date is September 28th of this year. <laughs> wow, really? I, this September. You're not going to get cast, Ben. You don't look old enough. Yeah, you don't Exactly. This September, I will be as old as Wilford Brimley was when he was in Cocoon. And I need, crazy. I need the fans, I need you, everyone, to Google Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. And he and I, and I guess judging, I'm probably the age he was when he was cast. Because the Brimley line that they use is when it was when the movie came out. Yeah, but he always looked old. I mean, always. But everybody looked old back then. But holy shit, what happened? Did we just stop going into the sun? No, they just stopped casting old people in movies. Now Cocoon, now you'd get Seth Rogen would be Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. But that's the thing, though, is when I look at Paul Rudd, you mentioned him earlier. How old is Paul Rudd? He's probably in his 50s, I think. Maybe. But Paul Paul Rudd's a different case, though. You can't compare Paul Rudd's 52. You can't compare yourself to Paul Rudd because he's immortal. Yeah, he's yeah, he's not. He's the look like he did in Clueless. Yeah. Look at at, uh, Sean Connery when he was 45 versus what a 45 year old looks like now. It's it's not that we've stopped casting old people. I mean, uh, what's her name as uh, as uh, Aunt May in Spider-Man? But Marissa Torme. Yeah, Yeah, Marissa Torme. Torme. She I mean, it's like Aunt May is supposed to be old. And she's in her 50s. Not a love interest for Tony Stark and Happy. Have you seen her though? Good God, she'd be a love interest for anybody. Yeah, yeah, she'd be a love well, interest I mean, for Peter. Aunt May, Aunt May is supposed to be a love interest for Doctor Octopus. Yeah, and uh, and uh, J. Jonah Jameson's dad. Okay, so I just found out about the the series of of issues or whatever, and I've just started catching up on them. Somebody showed me about this, where Doc Ock and Peter switch bodies it's great it is it, it's totally great but i just got to the thing where he punched uh connor's uh jaw and or the uh, what's his name's jaw and just rips it off yeah and he makes the realization that you know holy shit you know spider-man's been holding back so much all these years and it's just like and yeah. it, i guess he was defending aunt may and i was like wait why is he defending aunt may and it's like oh superior spider-man's fantastic it's a good it, book. It's I, like 30 something issues and it's wonderful. I, but anywho, highly recommend. Uh, but yeah, no, you have to think too. Peter at that point is probably like, well, you're not my real aunt. Like you married my dead dad's brother. So like, we're not related. So like, let me hit that. We not blood. Yeah. <laughs> that would just be weird. I think I've seen this video on the internet. <laughs> oh no, I'm stuck under this sofa. <laughs> for some reason there's a thing called a step on i don't know how that works but apparently it's it's cleared to go oh may got stuck under the sofa oh no <laughs> i was thinking peter got stuck under the sofa what's going on the avengers are running a train on Aunt may All right. why, don't the just, why don't they just free her from under the coffee table the hulk could the easily hulk lift the coffee table Oh, God, Why did they put Thor's hammer on the coffee table? That's counterproductive. 
<laughs> but yeah, so um, this is how we're getting there. This is what we're doing. Um, so yeah, so they, they uh, of course they do. They free these people from stasis yeah. because what could go wrong there? Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess they never heard of of Khan before. So, I, mean, like, I mean, at this rate, somebody's going to act in the future is going to accidentally defrost Walt Disney and actual Hitler. It I'm surprised it didn't happen in the original series, if I'm being honest with you. That they didn't have a, oh shit, it's Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. Do you th- I mean... I don't know if it was close enough that it was still a possibility. It's like, well, we're not really sure he's dead. He might sue us if we did that. He could be in Argentina. So, yeah, so Tackleberry gets all pissed off. That's how you smoke him out. Yeah. (laughs) That's the sting operation. Yeah. So they smoke, they they free Tackleberry, and of course he's American, so he's got a gun. He says he's going to shoot them all. And then um, he I've never he, heard of concealed weapons in the future. Yeah, like what? I thought you just wear it on your on your hip like everybody else does. We got the Japanese guy's gun. Yeah, well, they're gonna take yeah. the brown guy's gun. They're they're not gonna think to look on the white guy. Yeah. You failed to realize I'm Tackleberry. Boom! Oh shit! That that should have set off some tricorder signal. So yeah. So then we eventually find out that like. You know, there's humans on this planet and all these people were taken here as slaves. I don't understand why they froze 37 of them, like why they froze a bunch of people, but that's neither here. I think they froze them to bring them here. But then, yeah. And then they defrosted all but these eight. Well, why? Maybe they just didn't get around to it. Well, I mean, it had to take some time. I guess the the revolt happened before they could thaw these guys out. Yeah. And the people who revolted just figured these guys were dead. So it became a shrine. Okay. And then they start humping and start building their own societies and, yep. and cities and stuff because they re- they revolted against these these people who brought them here as to be slaves. So now they they revolted and they've started their own society on this planet. I was a little bummed out because we have cities. I would love to show you my cities, but we never see the city. Yeah, we'd love to see those cities. Even um, a, even but, a, even a matte painting. Yeah, because yeah. and it would look like the the same matte painting from Angel One, which is fine. Times. And if they if the cities were as glorious as they said, then how come Voyager? I guess there was interference in the atmosphere, right? But like, yeah. how, how can they couldn't like detect it from space or see it or whatever? Yeah, there's three cities with a hundred thousand people. Yeah. It's, undetected now is that a hundred thousand people no there's a hundred thousand people total they have three cities yes so yeah. they're not you know they're they're not big cities yeah it's like you but got, they sounded pretty impressed when they saw them well you know thirty thousand people not like they're city. dead deadwood or anything like that you know they sound like they're a pretty advanced city well you figure thirty thousand people they have they've seen the same 145 people you know every day for the past six months or however long they've been out in space by now i'm not really sure how long i wish they did key i know they do the star date but i wish just for non-super nerd purposes they just put like the length of there's somebody every now and then said i can't believe we've been out here for a year just would be nice to hear yeah well between that and having a body count kind of like Battlestar Galactica did. Yeah. Where you know on her dry erase board she had written the you know 49,300 whatever, you know, how yeah. many survivors. 
It's like there's 147 of us and we have to make it back to Earth. But just something like that every now and then. You don't have to do it every episode, but every seven or eight episodes. I can't believe we've been out here for two years. Oh, my God, this is awful. Just so we know as viewers, like, wow, they've been out here. Because I think that's one thing that's really lacking from the show is you don't get this because you don't get the sense of how long they've really been out in space. Well, you kind of get, well, okay. Well, if you're a nerd, you do. Yeah. But you have to be, you have to understand star dates. And even when you Google it, it's difficult. It seems like even on the internet, there's like four, there's like seven or eight different ways to calculate star dates. But the baseline is, and and this is what gives credit credence to this uh, was supposed to have been the last episode of first season is that the, Second number in the star date represents the season or, you know, the year. And then the three numbers after that are how far along in the year. And so since this is star date 48975, this would have been at the end of TNG's eighth season. Because 4-1 was the first season of Star Trek Next Generation. Okay. And so it went up 4-2, 4-3, 4-4. So with this being... When this started, it was like four, four, eight, one something at the beginning of, of the first season on Voyager. We're now at four, eight, nine. So that's near the end of the year. Okay. It's four, eight, nine, seven, five point one. Right. Next week, it's going to be four, nine, zero, zero something. Yeah. And so that that's, we've now started a second year. We haven't exactly been a year out here, but we're getting close. Again, somebody say something. All right, that's all. Just have a. Have, they've, well, they've they've made comments about how you know we've we've been out here for months. Yeah. So you know they kind of. I don't know. It would have been helpful if somebody talked about their kid, like, "Oh, today's my kid's birthday. She's, I've missed two birthdays now since we've been out here, or something." You know, like yeah. That. Yeah. That that would have. Yeah. Yeah, those are really easy ways to go about it. But anywho, um, so yeah, going to be good writers when this is done. Hopefully. But yeah, so um, so yeah, so then they, you know, Janeway says like, "Hey, should I stay or should I go?" We let the people decide. They, we can't make that decision for everybody. They should be able to make that on their own, which I think is bullshit. Janeway's the captain. You decide what happens. You had no problem deciding the first time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so decide what happens. You say, okay, we'll leave it up to the crew. The people after meeting Neelix decide that the, the 37s decide that after meeting Neelix that they're going to stay on the planet because Neelix sucks and he's a terrible cook. So they're going to rough it out in space. Um, Amelia Earhart says she's going to go. Janeway's sad because Amelia Earhart's going to go. And then they have this conversation walking through the hallway, which I thought was pretty cool about who is going to stay and who is going to go. Um, they're naming they're naming people who would stay and who would go. Oh, this person for sure. I would have had liked to have seen these other people being mentioned in previous episodes. Maybe or, just or again, this episode. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Again, like I know ne- you never hear about any of these people ever again. Oh, I'm gonna miss him, bitch. This is the first time we heard about him. What you talking about, Chakotay? So I'm I'm looking up. Because they were talking about uh, Jarvin and Walter Baxter. Walter Baxter. All right. So Jarvin. Oh, he uh, he does show up. 
again. Okay. Good. That's good. And Walter Baxter. Uh, Baxter shows up again. Good. I would have liked to have seen him previously. That would have been cool. Oh, he, well, he did show up again. Let's see. Uh, hold on. A workout enthusiast who suffered a injury. Is this the guy who hurt himself who was hit on Cass? The, the yeah. asshole to the doctor. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Did he have a name? Walter Baxter. No, I'm saying when we first, oh. in, when we first introduced him, did he have a name? I'm going to have to go back and watch that episode. Yeah. He so must, he, he, he must he, have said his name. Huh? They must have said his name. The doctor must have said his name. When he was complaining to the superior officer type thing or whatever. I have to go back and check that out. All right. See you go. No, his name was first referenced in the 37, an episode which actually didn't even appear, it says. Okay. So and this is... So then they're going by the next time he shows up in That's, Eye of the yeah. Needle. He uh, gets listed as Baxter. And then they just say, okay, since it's the same actor, he must have been Baxter in the previous times too. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they mentioned him in the first episode, but then because they said that's the first time. His first name, no, his first name. So maybe they mentioned him in the, in the other episode. Maybe the show's better than we think. We're just not paying enough attention to it. That could be it. Maybe we need to start taking Knott's notes a little closer. Okay, so we were corrected on that one. That's cool. I'm down with that. Because I remember the character, the workout guy. Yeah. All right. Asshole to the doctor. You know what? You're right, Voyager, on that one. Cool. But then she opens the door, and of course, nobody's there. And then they get on They get on. Okay, so way. were they still at this point, and maybe if Charlene's listening, she can contact me and tell me or somebody who might know better but were they still kind of on the path to potentially having Janeway and Chakotay become a couple you know were, were they because the way that they as they got closer to that door there, there seemed to be a little more emotion between them like you know, we'll get through this together type, you know, it was, it was a little bit more than a, a working relationship or am I just picking up on stuff that's not there? I think uh, Janeway was pretty emotional and because of the situation. And I actually think this was, this is my favorite part of the episode uh, because like from, from a military leadership perspective, I could really relate to you know, being in a position where you think you're making decisions, you're doing the the right thing or what you what you think is the right thing to do, but you're never sure if everybody else is on board with it. Mm-hmm. And then when there's a chance to actually see what people think, you're kind of nervous about it and you're worried that, you know, people are going to say, you know, you were wrong this whole time, we're going to leave or whatever. You know, as soon as they get the first opportunity to, to leave, then they do. But then you actually see that people are behind you. And they actually trust in your, you know, your leadership and stuff like that. Like I thought she really, she was really, um, she really performed really well through that whole last like four or five minutes of the episode. Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay. I agree. I thought he was just being a good friend. And I don't think they want to smash. And number one, well, they might want to. I mean, they probably have like, uh, eyes wide shut parties in the hollow deck every now and then where people just go in with the masks and fuck. 
It's the red hour. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We never hear about these aliens again, the Briori. Yeah. That brought them to this planet. That was, uh, so as far as we know, this is the only mention of them. I'd like to have found more space trash to get yeah, her, me too. get her guys hopes up, which again goes back to, you know, you know, we get one of the, it's like, look, there's a mattress from 1937. Do you think they gave the guy back his truck? Well, he does mention he wants to be a farmer again. Well, I mean, he says he's driving around in his truck and all of a sudden the light gets him. So that's his truck. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I'm thinking maybe Paris kept that for his collection. Where would he keep it? The cargo bay. There's more than one cargo bay. Yeah, I don't know if they're just going to let him keep an old ass truck there. I don't think he asked. Wait, can you? Can you store stuff like uh, with the transporter, like just convert it into energy and just leave it as energy until you need it again? Well, that would be pretty fucking cool. Yes and no. We haven't seen them do that at this point, but if you watched Star Trek Picard, he goes to his storage unit at the Starfleet archives mm -hmm. and stuff of like, he's got some stuff that's like in the storage unit. But then other stuff, he calls it up, and then it like beams in type thing. So it's. But is it just stored elsewhere, or is it stored in an electronic state? I think it's stored in an electronic state. That's pretty cool. And it gets okay. It's That'll almost cool. like it gets replicated back, you know. To. But there's some things that like it's he like had a, some... a space bag of holding, like you can just put yeah, totally. Yeah. So as long as you keep, you know, as long as you got battery backups, you know, even though we don't use electricity anymore and uh, you can radio down to the, the department that controls where they store the electrons and then have them radio back up. Yeah. Sorry, I'm still pissed off about the radio thing. It's okay. The radio thing's goofy, but I'm going to go out and say straight up. I really enjoyed this episode. I went past all of the, I looked past all of the weird kind of circumstances. I like the fact that it was kind of hopeful and just, I just, I just liked it. I don't know why I did. I I'm going to give this episode a seven. I really enjoyed it. Okay. I'm not going to, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to belittle myself for, <laughs> for enjoying an episode of Voyager. Like I said, I thought this one, the last episode, the season finale of season one left a really bad taste in my mouth. And I thought this was a really good way to start season two. I was really happy with the way it worked out. There wasn't like a weird anomaly. Nobody went back in time. I, even though I guess people did because they got kidnapped in the thirties. So there was kind of time travel, but it was different. Um, there was, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I'm going to give it a seven. I'm going to rate this one in spite of myself as well. Cause the truck was dumb. The like, uh, these, um, we didn't see the cities. You know, there's just a lot of things in here that were missed opportunities, I thought. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was really kind of a bummer. But the ending really kind of drove it home for me, and I really enjoyed it. I found myself, like, instead of, like, the season finale for season one, where the ending was just so terrible, it left such a bad taste in my mouth. Like, this <laughs> one, it actually finished, like, the the last course of the meal was pretty pretty excellent. And so it kind of enhanced the whole 
experience. So I, I give it a seven too. Wow. Okay. I didn't think that was going to happen when we first started this out. Mm-hmm. Neither. What about you, Ben? Well, just as a surprise, um, I just uploaded my uh, notes to you there in the in the chat, Bob. Thank you. But um, I would have rated this one an eight, but Neelix was in play. I took. I didn't even consider Neelix in this one. Yeah, I, I didn't did. even think about him. I I have to always, and so I end up giving it a net seven. Okay. So you thought this episode was an eight? Yeah. I, I had enough fun with it. I mean, even the way, let's like kind of Dennis Howie said where there's all this stupid stuff. Yeah. But then for whatever reason, I'm just, it, it's very endearing. Because, but when we first started, I said mm-hmm. that I really liked the episode a lot. And you guys kind of like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, no, I, it, you got to get to it. Now, it so, turns around at the end. So does your Voyager score kind of float? Like, because there are times where I can remember watching an episode and going, that wasn't that bad. And then we sit down and start talking about it. I'm like, wow, that was pretty dumb. So like, does your, yeah. do your Voyager scores kind of do the same thing? I think it's influenced by, as we were talking about it, where if I go into something really hating it, the more we talk about it, I might be like, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm going to change my score from what I wrote down to maybe give it a little higher okay it was it wasn't as bad or it'll be like i've gone both ways i bet you (laughs) in more ways than we know (laughs) but uh wow um you said it we just know we just made the obvious joke and i was gonna make the joke on myself it's just like oh shit no but um i was talking about something and now i'm Anyway, now you're thinking about hot men. I am uh, because hot my my, my FedEx delivery guy is is way hotter than he he deserves to be. But, <laughs> um, no, so I've I've talked myself down on episode where I was like, yeah, that episode wasn't so bad, and then we've talked about it, and by the time we get to the ranking, I'm just like, yeah, that was a pretty fucked up episode, and I've also done it where I've said, you know, oh, that episode was was you know, the other way. So, yeah. so it can, it can change. And and like usually about halfway through us recording, I've made a final decision. Okay. But again, you got to take the Neelix. I will not yield on my Neelix factor. Well, then I guess, I guess my Neelix wasn't, I guess I'm an eight, but then Neelix makes it a seven. Yeah. Cause I really, I didn't even consider Neelix cause he was such, he was such an inconsequential party. Didn't even bother me. Okay. Like, I just kind of, I forgot he was there. I, I would have liked Fred to have made some comment about, well, it's, it's real good that they, you know, let clowns, you know, yeah. they got clowns on the ships in the future. Who's this motherfucker? <laughs> Can I yeah. shoot him? Yeah. Man, like I, he's in these cities. I don't know. I thought I it just was- want to point out. This uh, episode is called the 37s, and we just gave it three sevens. Weird. Mm. So it was foretold that the episode that was very woman-centric with Amelia Earhart yeah. would be reviewed on the week that we did not have Jenny on the episode, yet we all gave frozen. sevens. So yeah. Jenny's in cryostasis. She's on her way to you know, the Briori system. The bummer about Amelia Earhart in this episode, too, is that she doesn't really do anything. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, she tackle Barry's kind of running rough shot on her. And then at one point she just says like, ah, you're my employee. I hired you. Last time I checked, I think you work for me, Fred. Yeah. But they didn't really do much with her. Like they didn't. Well, go like, it would have been great if she, if she would have said, Oh, I'm going to explore. I have a whole new planet to explore, you know, or something. Cool. Yeah. You do y'all got flying machines on this planet? But doesn't it make you seem like, I think if anything, wouldn't Amelia Earhart wanted to go? I think she would want to go. Yeah. I think that would be more consistent. Unless, but if she had said, like Dennis said, if she had said, you know, this is a whole new world to explore. But she didn't. She said, yeah. I feel like, like, you know, these people are, 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 are my ancestors or something like that. Descendants like, or, yeah, whatever. descendants of us. But no, nah, I mean, like, give me a better reason. I want not. Yeah, I want something more in character. They're literally not the descendants of any of those people who were frozen because they yes. never got unfrozen to have okay. kids. And how much inbreeding was happening? He goes, what'd they say? Like 300 people got abducted? What? Yeah. And now there's 100,000 after 15 generations? You could probably dance around it for a little while. The Japanese guy said, oh, there's lots of Japanese people here. So how many people were they abducting from Japan? I don't know. I don't know. How many Indians? And you would think, here's the thing, and and we've brought this up before, there really needs to be more Indians and Chinese in the future. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. So there you go, everybody. That's the episode. Thank you so much for listening. uh, we're having a great time doing the episode. If you like what you hear, please go to Patreon and support the podcast. Go to patreon.com slash dorktrick. There's all kinds of things you can get there. Uh, exclusive audio, video, our, sh- our show notes, all kinds of stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's a good little community. We have a lot of fun over there, over at Patreon. So check that out. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week with uh, more Voyager. More Voyager. And um, who wants to say it this week? Dennis, you say it. You're in Florida. Hey, so how's that sort of latte coming?